You are live with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo in studio today. We have an action-packed show for you uh, this morning. So much tech to talk about today. Uh, BlackBerry with new augmented reality glasses. Samsung with a, uh, a picture frame art television. Uh, and also the future of mobile payments in Canada. But on the line right now, I wanted to talk about uh, an interesting and maybe exciting new uh, smartphone that's coming to market. On the line, uh, I've uh, got my good friend uh, Igor Bonifacic from Mobile Syrup to uh, talk about the new Essential smartphone. Thanks for joining me, Igor. Thanks for having me, Mike. How are you? Good. Uh, I actually got to meet you in uh, person down in California. We were invited down to, a, uh, I guess, a product launch for the new Essential smartphone. Tell our listeners why this is uh, of, of interest. There's so many Android smartphones on the market now. Why are people um, kind of interested and fascinated about this particular one? Yeah, so there certainly are a lot of Android smartphones on the market, but there's only one that's being made by the creator of Android, and that's Andy Rubin. Essential was founded by Andy, um, and for many years he guided uh, the development of Android at Google. He's since started his own company called Essential, and this is the, his company's first phone. Um, it is an interesting phone in the sense that it is, you know, we've seen high-end smartphones from the likes of or high-end Android smartphones, excuse me, from the likes of Samsung. But this phone kind of takes that to a uh, whole different echelon in the sense that in Canada, it's going to be uh, $1,050. Uh, so it's a bit more expensive than your other phones. And you got to play with it, and you can probably speak to it just as I can, that it like kind of feels different than other phones. It's really heavy and dense. The screen is, uh, to my mind, is really impressive it it's bezel-less uh and it kind of goes edge to edge to edge uh so you it really immerses you in the experience of using the phone yeah it it, it is interesting uh what i found interesting about uh the trip and the product uh, announcement uh mm -hmm. we, we actually got to go down there and see you know the engineering behind it and you know why mm. they made it uh, usually when I go to these things, it's all about the specs of the phone. They didn't even really talk about the specs of the phone, uh, which I found totally. uh, pretty pretty fascinating. But, uh, you know, I've got one in my hand, and it is it is a beautiful phone. You can tell this is like a high-end uh, smartphone. Uh, and, you know, talking about Andy Rubin, he, you know, he is the creator and, and co-founder of the Android operating system. So I guess there's some pretty good DNA that's built into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like um, Andy said, if you go to the Essential website, you can see a list of every single employee that worked on this smartphone. And in contrast to other companies like Samsung or Apple, you know, it's only 100 employees that worked on the Essential phone. Um, to me, that's like both this phone's like greatest strength and weakness in the sense that like you can tell that a small group of people, as much, or as much as like a smartphone can be like an individual effort, this phone feels like an individual effort. Like, you know, in that um, event we uh, took part in, we saw all the prototypes, right? And they were like, we got to see how they went from like uh, mock-ups to the eventual prototype. And that was like fascinating to see how they distilled it into what they wanted this phone to represent. Well, it is a pretty exclusive phone as well. I know uh, in the U.S. Uh, it'll be available uh, through Sprint up here in Canada. Uh, it will be available through TELUS. So if you want to get your hands uh, on one of these and order one, you'd have to uh, talk to the TELUS uh, folks. But let's just talk about the phone. Uh, I mean, this is mm -hmm. highly engineered. It's uh, made out of titanium as opposed to mm -hmm. a lot of other smartphones, which uh, are aluminum. Uh, on the back, mm -hmm. it's uh, got two cameras, which we'll talk about in a, a moment. And uh, 
a special connector on the back. Talk, talk to that, uh, Igor. Yeah, so um, if you're familiar with phones like the uh, Moto uh, Z2 Play or uh, the Moto Z2 Force in the States, uh, you'll know those phones have like a, a modular connector where you can put on the so-called Motomont. The kind of idea is the same here, except that it's a bit smaller. Um, it's just two pins along the top, and the first accessory that uh, Essential is launching alongside uh, the phone is a 360-degree camera that will let you do kind of the 360-degree uh, videos that you see sometimes online or on Facebook. Um, that camera was really impressive from, we, uh, from what I saw. We didn't get to use a review unit, but um, the stitching and kind of the uh, interaction seemed really tip-top. The company plans, obviously, to launch other accessories and down the line, there could be an opportunity for third-party manufacturers to um, build something for the platform. I think the obvious one is obviously an extra battery pack. Um, they were able to get a pretty big battery. It's about uh, 3,000 milliampers. But, you know, as everyone knows, our smartphones never last long enough. So anything you can do to kind of help make them get through the day, uh, if it's even just a couple of hours, is awesome. So... We'll see how that develops. For now, it's just one um, accessory. I don't know if everyone's like super excited about 360-degree video. I can only speak to myself, and I know like I'm just happy taking regular photos, um, which is probably a good opportunity for us to talk about the, uh, the camera. Yeah, the camera's interesting. We're seeing more smartphones um, put dual cameras in it. This one's kind mm -hmm. of unique in the fact that uh, one of the, uh, I guess, lenses is obviously for color. The other one is strictly black and white. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if, you, if you're familiar with the iPhone, you know that it does like kind of, it has um, a slightly longer lens where, or longer focal length lens, so it can, you can do like cool portraits. Essential's kind of gone the other way, and they're like, this is going to be black and white. The advantage of that is normally if you, like the most straightforward advantage is normally if you want to do a black and white picture with a color camera, you have to use software to kind of interpolate uh, or guess at what, uh, it would look in black and white, whereas this, it just takes it in black and white. The bigger advantage, though, is that it can take much better photos in low-light situations. And when you think about, like, where we take photos, like, more often than not, they're, like, either in a dark room, you know, if we're at, a, like, a friend's place or a party, or we're just outside uh, at night. There, there isn't only a situation where there's perfect lighting. So, I haven't had too much chance to play with the camera, but what I've seen seems pretty impressive, and it seems the images come out really crisp, even if it's, you know, darker. Yeah, no, I had a chance to actually test the camera out myself mm -hmm. uh, in uh, a low-light uh, restaurant last night, and the pictures were mm -hmm. actually uh, beautiful. I was uh, quite impressed, and especially with the black and white photos, I, I thought that was uh, uh, kind of a neat uh, yeah. addition to it. Uh, yeah, but, I think it's a... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I just... Um, I, I love how good the cameras have become in smartphones, and this, uh, in my opinion, is kind of taking it to another level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm really, you know, um, one thing I will note is, like, uh, I've been told by a spokesperson for Essential, like, the camera app that comes with the phone is kind of a bit bare bones right now, but it's something that they plan to put a lot of time and effort into and add new features so that it kind of becomes even better and uh, they're more fleshed out so that you can, you know, it gets you can take even nicer photos. 
Yeah, what I like too uh, about this particular phone, uh, you know, unlike a lot of other Android smartphones that just kind of bloated up with uh, all their own apps, uh, you know, specific to the manufacturer, this is kind of the stock Android experience. Uh, it's very minimalist and you're not getting all that bloatware. Yeah, exactly. Like they, you know, I think um, one of our, um, another Canadian journalist that was there with us, um, the very charming Pascal, he, he said they o- it only comes with 28 apps, which for... Uh, an Android phone in this day and age, that's kind of unheard of. If you've ever had a Samsung phone, you know the hardware is <laughs> great, but like the software is just a bit obtrusive. Yeah. Uh, it's gotten better in recent years, but this phone kind of takes it to a very, as I think you, you'll agree with me, like as someone who deals with a lot of these phones, it's so refreshing to just have one. Like it does what it does and that's it. <laughs> like it's up to you to take it where you want with other apps. Yeah, you know, overall, um, you know, again, there's so many Android smartphones uh, on the market, uh, you know, uh, they kind of just gloss into each other, <laughs> in my opinion. So mm-hmm. this one uh, actually kind of stood out for me. I mean, I mean, there's definitely a price premium on this here. You know, it's over $1,000, but it does come with a lot of memory for storage. I think it's 128 gigabytes. Yeah, so exactly. Like, there are no other models. There's just a 128 gigabyte one, and you basically get as much storage as, uh, as they can sell. Again, uh, we're talking about the Essential smartphone from uh, Essential, a uh, company founded by Andy Rubin, one of the uh, co-founders of the Android operating system. Uh, The phone will be available through TELUS up here in Canada, so uh, if you want to uh, check it out, uh, give them a shout, check their website. Uh, Again, uh, you know, my opinion, an amazing smartphone so far. uh, Your opinion overall, Igor? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I think, you know, if you get a chance to go, even if you're not in the market for a smartphone right now, just head out to TELUS. They're going to have a couple, you know, you and I, we saw the um, really cool displays that they plan to put up in Canada. Um, And there's something else, very Apple-like, if one might say. Um, And just check out the phone, like, look at that screen. And I think it'll give you a sense of, like, where phones are going right now. Like, I think that's probably the best part about the Essential is it really gives you a definite like vision of where not just Android smartphones, but smartphones in general are going. And that screen is really something else. Thanks for joining us, Igor. No, thank you for having me. That was Igor Bonifacic from Mobile Syrup, a great website. If you want to find out all the latest news uh, about smartphones and all the different carriers uh, here in Canada, when we come back, we'll be talking with our friend, friend Ted Kritsonos uh, about the new Samsung, the frame television. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbone Studio today. On the line, we've got our tech friend, Ted Kritsonos from Toronto. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Always a pleasure, Mike. Wanted to get you on the line because you have actually seen this new Samsung TV that uh, I am drooling about. If uh, you were like me and uh, I I think uh, thousands of people are, they don't always necessarily like having this big black TV sitting in their family room or living room. Uh, taking up all the space. Yes, it's great for watching TV, but when it's turned off, it's like a black void. Uh, Ted, tell us about the new Samsung television called The Frame. Yeah, so this was uh, originally unveiled, uh, or at least shown, at uh, CES in Las Vegas, the big electronic show in Las Vegas in January. Uh, They have now launched it officially in Canada, and the idea is that your TV is essentially artwork as well. So uh, the design of the TV is such that you have a frame that goes around. So it's not a typical bezel. 
that you would normally see in a TV. It's a frame that goes around, and you know they're going to have. There's one color that comes in the box, but there's going to be three others on top of that, like oak and white and walnut. You know, typical. Uh, artwork frame uh, colors. Apparently, they're going to go beyond that, but that's what they're starting with. And so the idea being that you have a TV. This is a 4K TV, uh, LED, and, you know, it supports HDR10. um, But when it's turned off, uh, like, you know, like you normally would, you press the button, you turn the TV off, it actually goes into what's called art mode. And so it then displays artwork, uh, paintings, or photographs, that you have selected from a store that Samsung will have available through an app. Um, so up to now, so far, they have, a, uh, I think they said 100 to 400 different pieces uh, from about 37 artists and photographers. And uh, the, 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 the premise is that you will be able to access this content for free for 30 days, but then you will have to either subscribe or buy the pieces that you want to use. You can, of course, use your own, but if you want some of the stuff from the professionals, you're going to have to pay for it. So the Mona Lisa is going to cost you some money. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, they're not making that one available, but, uh, but yes, uh, you will have to pay some money. It's either uh, a Netflix-style uh, payment of seven ninety nine a month, and you can basically, you know, quote-unquote, rent uh, the artwork that you want to use uh, as long as you're a subscriber, or you can buy uh, individual pieces for twenty six ninety nine each, uh, that is the set price that they're going with for each piece, uh, and you own it, and then you can basically use it for as long as you want to. Okay, so you've you've actually seen this uh, this TV. Does it look like it's like a picture? Yeah, it's so it's it's interesting because the design, the way they've done it, is that it's it's pretty flush up against the wall, right? Uh, just like a, a typical frame is supposed to be. Um, the picture quality looks good. I asked, and, and you know, Samsung reps told me that it's comparable to a mid-level or higher-end uh, TV in their line. So they they, didn't, they say they didn't skimp out too much on the tech inside. Uh, it attaches to a box that is with a 15, uh, 15 foot cable, a really thin cable, by the way. I mean, this cable is really, really thin. Uh, that you can basically snake around however you want, and then you can attach whatever components uh, that you want to that box. It has four HDMI ports and three USB ports, and uh, supports uh, 7.1 uh, surround audio as well. Um, now, as far as the art goes, does it look good? Yeah, I mean, definitely, you, because it, it has sensors inside that can adjust the brightness based on the ambient lighting in the room. It also has a motion sensor so that if you leave the room, uh, for a period of time, it will actually just shut off completely. So, you know, no TV, no art mode, no nothing. Uh, if you re-enter the room, then it comes back on art mode again. Uh, you know, things like that. So they've tried to make it smart on, on top of uh, all the other features that they've put in it. But does it look like a TV that's just got art on the screen? <laughs> yeah, like, it's it, it's interesting, right? Because when you first look at it and it's displaying the art, uh, you know, they, they set it up in a, in, on a wall where there were two of them along with actual art pieces. Um, and at, at, at first, you're kind of like, oh, okay, oh, that is a TV, right? Um, but it's, when it's on its own, then you, you, you recognize more that, okay, that's actually a screen I'm looking at. Um, but they, they've done it uh, in such a way where I think people who like art uh, and like the minimalism that goes with the product uh, will probably appreciate it. I still see it being more niche, though, because considering the pricing, uh, I think uh, some people will prefer to go with something that's a little more tech, uh, uh, high-end tech. 
Tell us the price. So the price is uh, twenty seven ninety nine uh, for the fifty five inch and. Uh, to, Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Actually, I uh, I misspoke. It is not uh, 27.99 uh, for the 55 inch. It is actually 26.99 uh, for the 55 inch and 37.99 for the 65 inch. However, that does not include the residual costs, which I should point out. If you want the tripod, so if you want to put on a stand, okay, they call the studio TV. That's 800 bucks. Okay, if you want a different frame for one of the other colors, that's going to cost you another 300 uh, depending on the size. So it could be 250 or 300 And then, of course, there's the cost of the um, the, the, the subscription uh, or for the art itself. And if you want to extend that 15-foot cable to another uh, 30 feet to go 45 feet, uh, that'll cost you another uh, $200 as well. So, you know, you throw all these things in, and, uh, you know, it can become a pretty expensive proposition. But... For those who really want that uh, that art artsy look in their place with a minimalist style, uh, they might find it really appealing. Talking with our friend Ted Kritsonos, uh, tech genius. Uh, where is this article article going to appear that you've written about the frame? Yeah, so I've written about it for Wi-Fi Hi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi Hi-Fi dot ca, uh, where all the details are in there in terms of uh, how it looks, the pricing, uh, all the details uh, with. Uh, with everything else uh, that goes into it and what people can expect. Uh, it's up there right now. Thank you very much, Ted. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Still a lot more tech to talk today. Uh, later on in the program, App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova, so stay tuned for that. And we'll be finding out about BlackBerry and augmented reality glasses. What's that all about? Well, you'll have to stay tuned for that. Right now, though, uh, I've got uh, a great guest on. His name uh, is Eric Emin Wood uh, from IT World Canada. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. Wanted to talk to you about uh, mobile payments. Uh, this is something uh, I think uh, Canadians uh, uh, are using more and more. Uh, and I know you were uh, writing an article about the, the state of mobile payments in Canada. Uh, give us the lowdown. Fantastic. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so we started investigating this because actually Google did an investigation and their research turned up that one in three smartphone owners in Canada have used their phones to pay for something. So I don't, have you ever used your phone to pay for, uh, have you ever used mobile payments? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, well, I use Apple Pay all the time. Oh, fantastic. I um, I actually only downloaded Android Pay myself a couple of weeks ago, added my credit card to it, and it's it takes some getting used to, but it's fun because they, the program is able to incorporate not only your credit card, but your loyalty payments program. So if I'm going to see a movie, for instance, I just have to put my phone over the NFC reader, and it not only scans my credit card, but gives me an extra 100 scene points as well. So we wanted to see how many Canadians are using this. So we talked to about half a dozen uh, payment processors, Visa, MasterCard, Interact, uh, CIBC and RBC were the banks that got back to us. And we also spoke with Moneris, which is Canada's leading processor of debit and credit card payments. And what we actually found is that None of them, for the most part, really want to tell us exactly how it's going. <laughs> of course not. Um, it is 
<laughs> yeah, it is still a technology that's in its infancy. And even with Google, my guess is that when they said one in three smartphone owners have paid for something on their smartphones, they're including online orders. Like, I ordered a video game uh, last week on Amazon using my mobile device. That would have lumped me in the numbers, I'm sure. So what we did get from Visa was telling us that about 12% of Canadian smartphone owners have used their phones to make an NFC payment. So that's, uh, that's when it says the, um, uh, the contactless that you or I have used. And so I think when they did try to give us numbers, they, the companies like to hide or inflate them. Um, lumping them in with other stuff. So you have uh, not only what Google told us, Visa told us that 70% of payments in Canada use credit and debit cards, and they included mobile payments in that number. Um, when we talked to RBC, they said that 84% of bank transactions use self-service channels, and that includes websites, mobile apps, and mobile payments. So it wasn't we weren't able to get anything more concrete than that. Um, but what was very interesting about the investigation is that everyone talked about how it is a market that is set to grow. Canada is much better equipped than other countries around the world to implement mobile payments and for the technology to really take off. And that really surprised me. What do you think that is? Is it because uh, we have, uh, I guess, uh, fewer banks than countries like the U.S.? You know, uh, I, think I think we've got like top five banks. Uh, the CIBCs, I think, yeah, TVs. I think it's a combination of two factors. So we've uh, uh, the five banks is definitely one part of it, and they have all worked together. The other factor, I think, is um, the popularity of Interac. Interac is uh, I don't know how many Canadians know this. I didn't know this before I started here, but it's essentially a consortium between the big five banks. It was essentially born of an agreement between them to say, okay, we want to be able to po- process payments in an electronic way. This is the organization that we're going to create that is going to have the infrastructure to do it. So Interact is separate from Moneris. So I thought before I came here, I would have thought that Interact was the developer of the software that um, processes the payments, but it's actually Moneris that does that. So they're Canada's largest um, debit and credit card processor, but they don't just work in Canada. It is an international company. But I think because of Interac, they've had a much better time putting all that infrastructure in. If you go to the U.S., it's amazing how many places still need you to swipe your credit card, sign for it to verify that it's yourself. And what I found in my research actually is that uh, just under half of U.S. purchases, or sorry, slightly more than half of U.S. purchases are still made using cash. I, I can, so I, I can, I can credit see and debit cards only account for 48% of purchases in the U.S. And that that surprised me. Uh, like I said, in Canada, we're at 70% and climbing. Um, and then... Uh, even in other countries that you think would be more advanced, like we hear about how uh, how much smartphones have taken over Asia. But in Japan, for instance, phones are only used in 20% of transactions. The Japanese still prefer cash as well. That's interesting. You'd think with Japan, uh, they would have chips embedded in their heads that would allow them <laughs> to, Exactly. To that, that's what I thought. All of these amazing features we get, they yeah. famously came to Japan first, but doesn't mean everyone wanted to use them. 
But you know, it's the, the mobile payment space—it's kind of getting interesting. I mean, there's Apple Pay, there's Android Pay, there's Samsung mm-hmm. Pay. Do you think it's confusing for consumers? I think that's a big part of it, actually, because if you want to use your phone, there are several steps that you need to take. Um, RBC and TD, for instance, neither of them support Android Pay, but if you are a customer with them, you can use your phone, uh, but you need to do it through their app. And I don't know how clearly that's been communicated to customers. Um, Apple Pay is a little more straightforward, but again, they had difficulties laying out deals with all of the major banks. And then if you have, uh, depending on the credit card you have, it may not necessarily be supported. And I think, um, unfortunately, it's a bit outside our purview to figure out how, uh, how these companies can work together, essentially, the way they did with Interact to make that a smoother transaction. They all talk about giving the customer a better experience. They all want to make sure that people can use their phones to pay for something uh, wherever and however they want, but it's we're, we're seeing a bit of a gap between, between uh, goal and execution here, I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out uh, in the uh, the mm-hmm. coming years. Like mm-hmm. RBC doing their own app. Like, I, what's the mm-hmm. point when you've got all these other huge players in in the yeah. market? It just kind of fragments everything. No, I, I completely agree, and uh, we hope that I hope that uh, publishing my article helps raise some of these questions, and that we're able to do a follow up in the future that maybe gets some of those answers, or at least explains why they're thinking the way they are. Um, because for now, I think uh, a lot of the responses were, unfortunately, canned because they nobody really wants to give too much in the way of trade secrets. There's a lot more rhetoric than specifics, I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds. Like, will we even need our phones in the future? Can we just pay with our fingerprints or like through an oh, iris scan? That's happening too. There's a uh, there's a company in Wisconsin that uh, uh, famously got 50 employees to volunteer to have a chip implanted that they're going to be using at the company's vending machines, and it's an automated convenience store. Although personally, I'd rather just uh, see it see them hand us a ring or some type of uh, fob. Well, no, this is interesting. Uh, you know, we, we actually talked about that on the show, uh, this company yeah. that uh, the employees actually, you know, voluntarily had these little chips implanted in them. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, I talked to friends, uh, and this has actually come up a lot more people than you think would actually have that chip implanted to make their lives easier. Really? Yes. It's weird. Our, our office was unanimous. We were, we were saying, no, we wouldn't do it. We'd, we'd wear a ring, we'd carry a fob, but the idea of a, a, a chip, I, I don't know. I, you know what? I would do it. I would do it. You, you would. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just to make it easier. <laughs> it, it's undeniably convenient. I, I can admit that. I'm sure, I'm sure I'd be hacked in no time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, once you read uh, as much as we do about uh, the Internet of Things and how uh, what a wonderful tool they are to hackers who want to create DDoS attacks, you yeah. start wondering, do I really want one of those embedded underneath my skin? <laughs> We're talking uh, with our friend Eric Emin Wood from uh, IT World Canada. Uh, this art- article should be up by the time uh, the show airs, so uh, uh, I'm looking forward to, to reading that. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. When we come back, we'll be talking about BlackBerry. I know we haven't talked about them for a while, but they're getting into new types of technologies, including augmented reality with some uh, new glasses. We'll uh, find all about find out all about that. Stay tuned.
You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. Don't forget to hit our Facebook page. We're giving away an HP Pavilion 360 laptop. This thing is beautiful, and it's so easy to enter. You just go again to the Get Connected Facebook page, enter your details, and we'll uh, be drawing a winner soon. So check it out. want to talk about uh, BlackBerry now. On the line, we've got Mandy Kovacs from IT World Canada. Thanks for joining us, Mandy. Thank you for having me. BlackBerry, uh, we haven't talked about them for a while on, on this show. Uh, they're getting into augmented reality now. Tell our listeners uh, what that's all about. Right, yeah. So BlackBerry recently has partnered with um, a global wearable display technology supplier called Vuzix uh, to sell smart glasses specifically geared towards enterprises. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty cool venture, um, and it's not the first company to really get into augmented reality. Uh, but they're the ones that are really specifically targeting enterprises and, and big businesses because they want to make a difference within those communities. So this partnership um, allows them to use Buzik's, uh smart glasses, which have already been created. They're already uh, being sold online. Um, the, the specific version that BlackBerry will be using retails for about $1,500 American. Um, but BlackBerry will be putting their unified endpoint management software on it uh, which will essentially allow them to manage connected devices and apps while making sure everything sort of stays secure. Uh, so that's BlackBerry's portion of this. Um, and they really just want to do this uh, to help employees, uh, you know, deal with their job and whatever is thrown at them with um, while freeing their hands up. So uh, they released a demo video, and it kind of showed people using it around the office. Um, and they were saying that every time you look at a phone or a tablet or even just your computer screen, you're not really looking at the task or problem in front of you. So this is really their solution to that. They want employees to be able to do whatever they're, they're supposed to do without having to look down or away. Um, and they're also hoping that these glasses, uh, using augmented reality, uh, would mean that employees could stay um, more connected and, and communicate better with each other. Uh, because, I mean, right now, if you want to talk to someone who is not right beside you, usually what? Text them, call them, message them over the over your computer, um, which would mean that uh other person would have to open it for, or sorry, on their computer or on a device, um, whereas these glasses would allow them to just see the message up, you know, in their line of vision. Kind of like a heads-up display in a, a fighter jet. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which I think is a lot easier than looking down at your phone to reply to a text, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, the whole AR or augmented reality uh, world is uh, uh, really starting to grow now. I know it's been around for a few years, but, uh, you know, we even see Apple with the next release of their, uh, uh, you know, iOS 11 and, you know, the new iPhone 7 and 7 Plus, uh, they're going to be making a big jump into that, uh, into that space. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this really is the next step in um, mobile phones, tablets, anything like Apple. Um, like you said, they, their uh, iOS 11 will have, um, AR in most of the things like apps. They're like turn-by-turn directions inside museums and that sort of thing uh, in their Google Maps. So this is Google, sorry, BlackBerry is hoping that this can be used um, just in an enterprise way. How far do you think we're away, you know, how many years before this becomes a little more mainstream? Right now it's still kind of science fiction-y. Right. Well, I think it's definitely becoming a bigger reality. And uh, throwing back to last summer, I think Pokemon Go really helped with this. <laughs> which is, is Thank God. Joke, but it, <laughs> right. But it did help, right? I mean, people, that's when they first kind of became aware with this. That was their first experience with augmented and virtual reality. Um, and it really showed the industry that, you know, consumers were interested in this. And from consumers that's spreading to businesses now, it's going to be the next big thing for sure. So I don't know. I would say maybe within the next couple of years. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, we've seen some applications of this. Uh, Microsoft, they've got their hollow uh, lens, which is super cool. I mean, Google tried to do it with Google Glass. Uh, it wasn't overly successful. I know they have an enterprise version of that uh, now. So it looks like all the big players are uh, really interested in getting into the space and, and owning it. Exactly. Yeah, they're really trying to get on board because, I mean, this enterprise space, I feel like not many people are in it right now. Um, and BlackBerry's quarterly revenues uh, came in below analyst expectations about a month ago. So uh, in my opinion, I think they're really using this enterprise-level wearable industry as the next big area uh, for revenue for them because uh, it is fairly untouched. There aren't too many enterprise-grade smart glasses or at least ones that are cheap enough that could be uh, scaled up and deployed at a bigger scale. And, I mean, BlackBerry is known for their enterprise-level hardware and stuff. And while they may not be making uh, phones exactly right now, um, I think they're definitely a trusted name that a lot of people would bet on. I think I agree with you on that. Uh, Mandy, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Perfect. Thank you so much for having Mandy Kovacs from IT World Canada. You can check out uh, all the articles she writes uh, up there. Some uh, really great stuff. When we come back, App of the Week with Christina. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We've uh, come to that time in the program. It's App of the Week time with Christina Stoyanova, who's in studio. Thanks for joining us, Christina. Thanks for having me. What do you got up? I have an app to help you get moving, which I think you need desperately, Mike. This is your intervention. I move all the time. I'm always moving. Yeah. I'm a mover and shaker. Uh Uh-huh. You drive places that you could get to on foot on a regular basis. Like from White Rock to Vancouver? No. No. From Gastown to Yelltown? I have heard you ask for a taxi for this. It was cold. It was cold outside and raining. Um, No, I don't think it was. (laughs) Okay. So what does this app do? What's it called? This is called The Walk. The Walk. Yes, it's a fitness tracker and a game. So this actually encourages you to get out and walk. It's from the creators of Zombies Run, which is a role-playing game we've talked about in the past that gets you out running. But this one gets you out walking because walking has actually been shown to be very good for you and in some cases better than higher-intensity workouts like running. So this in this game, you are essentially the unwitting suspect of um, a bomb and you are on the run. A bombing, you mean? A bombing, yes. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Um, So it's a game that makes you want to escape the authorities. Exactly. So it's 65 chapters long. So it should take you about three months to complete. But as you're completing it, it gets you out walking and also tracks your progress. So it's tracking how many steps you're taking. So what? It just notifies me, hey, the cops are coming, run. (laughs) Well, you're going to have to uh, give it a shot, Mike, and let us know what the storyline is like. And how much is this app? This is two ninety nine on the App Store. So I got to pay $3 to have my phone pretend that I'm a bombing suspect. That's correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, available in uh, the app and App Store and Google Play Store? That's right. And it's called Walk? The Walk. The Walk. Yes. It's, so it's a role-playing game to get you out walking. Give it a shot. Could be fun. I will. Thanks uh, for joining us. That's all the time we have left for Get Connected. We'll see you again next week.